Hello and welcome to Ungodly, the Magical Grimoireum. This is a special episode. I'm Besh. I mean, <laughs> this is Avery. And I'm Besh. <laughs> and we're sitting in a cemetery right now. Um, it's nice to be here with you, and we're going to share some spooky tales today. Indeed, indeed. And I wanted to sort of try and break away a little bit from the, the typical Halloween tradition of going strictly for ghost stories. Mm. So I'm going with some equally messed up shit that is not necessarily ghost stories. Cool, cool. So just to have a shout out, we're in the Central Edmonton Cemetery, which was established in 1886 um, as a resting place for pioneers of Edmonton. Um, of course, there's uh, it's large, so there's a lot of other people and families and names that we'd recognize. There's probably you know some McKernans in here, etc. Oh, yes. Big name in Edmonton. Um, so, yeah, so lots of founding fathers, if you will. And actually, um, of the famous five, which was originally known as the Alberta Five, um, Emily Murphy, who was um, a Canadian suffragette type, yeah, I'll call her a suffragette, she um, is here at the mausoleum and she helped get the um, votes for women here in Canada. Yeah. Which is an excellent cause. Yeah, and it's just really cool. I didn't even know she was buried here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how she keeps to, seems to just keep coming up, right? Yes, and actually, um, she her house is here, um, I, th I think on the south side, and she's uh, been seen from uh, her window looking down at the, the women um, students at U of A, University of Alberta, and kind of in an approving way, um, cheering them on. So that's really cool. And people who work at the house say that uh, the tea kettle goes on. Uh, she was always <laughs> serving tea, so. <laughs> awesome, very cool. Um, so yeah, just for the listeners, we're obviously going for a, a bit more of a free form recording on this one, so bear with us, but yes. it'll be fun. <laughs> so I found this interesting article um, on CNN. It's from 2011, so 10 years ago, and it's really well written and researched, and it's called Do Loved Ones Bid Farewell from Beyond the Grave by John Blake. And it starts off with this story about this woman, Nina DeSanto. Um, and she, she was working one night, and she was about to close her uh, hair salon. And then her friend Michael shows up at the door and um, she was a customer of his and they had gotten very close. Um, I, I guess he was going through a, a hard time. Anyway, he came to thank her for being there um, for him and she, I, I imagine she was very touched. And then she comes to find out in the morning that he had passed away, I think nine hours earlier. So she had a whole conversation with him, and he had already died. Mm. Yeah, and she has a quote. She says, it was very bizarre. I went through a period of disbelief. How can you tell someone that you saw this man, solid as ever, walk in and talk to you, but he's dead? I, I would also question her, but 
Well, yeah, and it, it makes you question yourself too when you have experiences like that, right? You start to, to wonder about your mental health. Am I resting enough? Like, I need more sleep and water? Like, what's going on here? Right, right. So they have a name for this, um, and it's called a crisis apparition. So whether it's like something like the person can sense something went awful um, just, you know, through natural senses, so therefore they like conjure up a person, um, or, or it's something telepathic maybe, like they sensed that they were dying through yeah, the other yeah. person's thoughts. Um, but I don't know, that seems very concrete. <laughs> seeing somebody at your door and having a full conversation with them. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had some paranormal experiences, but I don't I don't think any of them just seemed like it was a straight-up normal person to me. Right, yeah. Um, and, and it's weird because she said she only thought it was weird when she thought about it a bit later on and said to herself, he was looking, a, like, gray, mm, okay. lacking color. Well, I mean, at, at the end of the shift and at night, you know, maybe not thinking so clearly, not seeing so clearly, and then you just... You just take it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Even though something's a bit off. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that one. Also, um, on Jim Harold's podcast, etc., I love the stories where um, somebody gets a call from the deceased or a text because yeah. um, spirits... Um, apparently can manipulate technology pretty easily. It so light makes sense if you follow like electromagnetic field theory and, and you know the idea of like the plasmic soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around this, but people also say that they um, can manipulate metal really easily and that's why um, mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what I think about that. I think if, if you're finding pennies from a loved one, it's more of a thing like how we were talking about with animals. It's more like from beyond. You kind of have to arrange for that penny to get there somehow through yeah. through means of um, t- t- talking to people, uh, their higher ups above. You know, yeah, <laughs> sort and, of a thing. Using, their higher selves also and using arranging a, it. A feasible and accessible symbol. You know, like for you. It, like we were talking about if you were to be a magpie well of course there's lots of magpies around here so that's a feasible accessible symbol yeah right if you were to, to say well I'll, I'll i'll come back to you but in the form of a phoenix and right. be like uh shit <laughs> that's not gonna work <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah unless you know you saw a lot of pictures and stuff somehow with timing i'd start getting a bunch of postcards for phoenix arizona and shit <laughs> like that yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so uh, just while we're on this article, so this other woman, Seema Lieberman, um, she, about 40 years ago, um, she uh, got a call from her boyfriend, Johnny, who had unfortunately passed away. And um, he's quoted, she quotes him as saying, I just wanted you to know that I love you and I'll never be mean to anybody again which when I read that that gave me chills but apparently he was murdered which is just so tragic and sad um, but it was definitely him and he was saying goodbye uh, Johnny was shot in the head as he sat in a car um, and 
uh, makes you wonder what, what conversation <laughs> led up to that. You know, if he if he's communicating, oh, I'll never be mean again. Like, what what did you say to the other person? Got right. them so riled up that they decided to shoot you in the head, and then you apologize for it after. Right. And she she did note that the call was like super static. And uh, so, like, all this time she's been like, did he, by chance, like, uh, call just before he was murdered? Like, what, what happened? But then, um, years later, she actually read an article about um, static key calls and people who claim to have received calls beyond the graves. So that kind of put it into context for her. Yeah, there seems to be kind of a, a running theme of, like, heavy static and sort of sounding distant or echoey. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mom has a really cool story about, I believe, when her dad and her, I, I want to say uncle and his wife, um, were on a plane and it actually crashed. And this is not how my grandpa passed away, fortunately. Um, but she received some sort of, I guess, signal from them. She woke up and they were these staticky, kind of how TVs get static, right. um, images in front of her, but they were the exact shapes of her family members. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and there's more to the story, so I actually want to get her on to tell it sometime. It's a very cool story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that kind of ties into this last one in this article. Um, I love kind of creepy childhood stories. Um, we will come back to uh, your final story at the end. Uh, and we'll just quickly interject with some stories from elsewhere, um, and also not so far. Um, going back in time a little bit, because I've been really interested in uh, um, Yoruba and in voodoo, and reading up on, on those subjects a lot, so I found this pretty interesting. Um, it helps to partially explain why voodoo gets such a, a bad rap, especially with the Europeans. Um, and how Haiti was basically just shat on through the 19th and 20th centuries, especially. Um, mm. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, the event that I'm talking about is called L'Affaire de Bizantin. Uh, happened in 1864. Uh, and a, a lot of what I've learned about this came from an article by Mike Dash for Smithsonian Magazine. Um, so yeah, Bizoton is a small place uh, just west of Port-au-Prince uh, where a fellow named Congo Pele and seven other people, it was uh, four men and four women, were publicly executed uh, in a very clumsy and, and brutal way. Um, it, was, it was really like, quite the fandangle. Um, so the person who had just recently come into office in Haiti uh, he was taking a very, his name is Faber Geffrard, Geffrard, uh, and he had ordered the public executions in a sort of reactionary, anti-voodoo, anti-magic crackdown. Uh, he was trying to be hyper-rationalist and, and modernize Haiti and try and prove, like, no, we can be, you know, in times with the scientific world, too. Mm. That sort of a notion. Uh, but part of the reason for that was because his predecessor, Faustin Suluke, uh, he had ruled <laughs> very poorly under a cardboard crown. What? Yeah. Literally? Literally. He couldn't get a, a gold crown for a number of different reasons. So he, 
for his coronation, he had a cardboard crown, and this and many other <laughs> things kind of made him and made Haiti a bit of a laughing stock on oh, the no. international scene, and people just weren't taking it seriously, and it made it very difficult for people to, to take voodoo seriously as well, because he was, he espoused himself as being a very adamant practitioner, believer in voodoo, but did silly things with it because he was a very uneducated and unscrupulous man. Um, so yeah, Griffard, or Jeffrard, sorry, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he, he took a very staunch stance against anything uh, supernatural and wanted to Christianize and rationalize. Hmm. That, was, that was the idea. So this Congo Pele person, uh, he was of relatively low social stature and his brother was doing all right for himself. So the theory is that he was just kind of a little jealous that his brother's hard work was paying off and this guy seemed a little bit lazy and figured that he could just, you know, have gods and spirits provide for him. Mm. And so he did some consultation. Uh, his sister, Jean, um, Jeanne, uh, she was uh, a high priestess of Voodoo. So he consulted with her and uh, two other priests um, to find out like what what needed to be done. And uh, at least two out of the three recommended um, that he sacrifice the goat without horns, which is meant to imply human sacrifice. Oh my god! Yeah, and so he started plotting with them. Goat, that's me. <laughs> Greatest of all time. And that's right. <laughs> <laughs> or silly goat, as you like to call me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All good. So he started plotting and scheming with them um, and a few other people. And I don't know how they arrived at this particular decision, but Jean and Congo decided that they were going to take their sister's child, so their niece. Uh, it's written it local reports said that she was about seven or eight um, and then Mr. Whiteman St. John decided that uh, he was or she, sorry she was 12 uh, her name was Claire Seen. Um what they did is they abducted her uh, and they bound her and gagged her oh no and they hid her under an altar at the temple uh, for four days and four nights. Oh no! All tied up like that. Do they give her water? Uh, I assume not. Um, supposedly, one of the eyewitness accounts from this was another child that was also bound under the same uh, altar and intended to be a secondary sacrifice. So that's worth noting. Um, but. What, what ended up happening to her, and trigger warning if you've got a weak stomach, this is probably a good time to, I don't know, do something else. <laughs> um, they, they ended up strangling, flaying, decapitating, uh, dismembering, oh. and cooking. Oh, and they also exsanguinated her, her body into a jar, so like all of her blood was, was kept for later. Um, of course. But yeah, and she was dismembered and cooked and consumed. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, there were uh, heavy charges pressed against these people. 
And so that's the execution. And then the execution ended up being that they had uh, five executioners for every one person. And somehow, because they were all untrained, they all fired with such an accuracy that only six of the eight individuals being executed even fell from being wounded on the first shot. And it apparently ended up taking the executioners roughly about half an hour to finish their job. Oh no. And at one point, um, one of the, the eyewitnesses who is implicated in it uh, through tortured confession that's how they got most of their information about this trial was through tortured confession. Mm. Um, at one point, she even grabbed the musket and pressed it against her bosom and just like kept calling on the man, like, pull the fucking trigger already. Like, if you're gonna wow. do it, do it. That's, that's how long and drawn out this process was. So, yet again, kind of like we were talking about with the Salem Witch Trials, people being all horrified at gruesome violence and then saying, well, the only thing for that is gruesome violence. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how often that plays out, eh? And, and on young girls. Yeah. It's, it's quite simple. And the way that this was written about and publicized, it took the world by storm at the time. Uh, and yeah, it really cast... A, Sorry, what year? Uh, 1864. That's... Not that long ago, in the grand scheme of things. No, no, I mean, that's that's not too long before uh, Haiti fought for and earned their uh, independence. Which... Are you freezing? <laughs> I just got so cold. Okay, uh, I, will, I will quickly wrap up with one more video story. No, it's okay, I just find it interesting because it should be getting warmer here. <laughs> it should, as the sun rises. So this one is uh, much closer to our home and much closer to our time. Ooh. Uh, January 2018. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And uh, go figure, Massachusetts. Hey! <laughs> so in this place called uh, East Bridgewater, Massachusetts, uh, these two women named Peggy and Rachel, uh, at the behest of the mother of the girl, performed a ritual cleansing on a five-year-old girl and, and her eight-year-old brother as well. Uh, that sounds like a nice thing, but this is a process that went on for days and left this girl permanently disfigured. Uh, oh, no. They would cover her in oils and caustic chemicals, uh, and then they would use a flaming stick and blow the flames on her face. What? Uh, and she'd be tied up or held down by one of these two adults and her mother. Mm. And this, all of this was to, to try and banish a demon that was causing quote-unquote misbehavior in her. Like, she's oh. a five-year-old girl misbehaving. Oh, that so, is so silly and sad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they used stress positions, you know, like tying her in a crucifix position oh. and leaving her there for hours until her mom would come home from work. It was, it was absolutely horrible. Horrific, and they also threatened to uh, behead the brother by the machete. What? Um, and apparently, at one point, uh, one of the old, older women. Keep in mind, this is a 51-year-old and a 40-year-old woman doing this stuff to this five-year-old girl and eight-year-old boy. At one point, she was 
rubbing him down in an oil bath in the nude and telling him that he wanted to have sex with girls, which is like... These are sick, sick people. Yeah. Abusive. Yeah, exactly. And now again, this is just a modern iteration of, I think anyway, people misusing the name voodoo. The mother claimed that she was, she sought this help, quote-unquote help, because uh, she was of Haitian descent and believed in voodoo, which, fine, go ahead, believe and act in your practices, but don't just believe anybody who says, oh, I am a fucking voodoo witch, and I can do this, like, I'm a strong practitioner, I will take care of this for you. I don't think that any legitimate priest or priestess of voodoo, or whatever sort of like, I don't think that that's the way that they would go about things. Right. It doesn't seem to be in accord with anything that I understand about voodoo. For, and I've been looking into this for a long time. I've spoken to people who have practiced it. it. That's not right. That's not how it works. This is just a problem of psychosis and religion having a dotted line between them sometimes. Mm. Yeah. And again... It's, it's a shame because it, it disparages a beautiful magical tradition that has a very long, rich, and complicated history. And again, Haiti gets thrown into the mix because they're, first of all, the only example of a successful slave rebellion in the Western world. Mm-hmm. I think that that has just as much to do with Haiti's current situation you know, the, the economical situation, how there, it, there's so many things that happen to go wrong, how they're so maligned on the world stage, and what, what constitutes human aid is UN peacekeepers coming and spreading venereal disease and oh, fathering God. children that they abandon. You know, like, it's, it's horrible. Absolutely yeah, horrible. And, and also, yeah, I think you're getting at this too, but just how... Um, uh, hoodoo voodoo is viewed um, a lot of it's just folk magic but you you see it on television as like these crazy practices with dolls which does happen but it's like yeah, that bad people do bad things but good practitioners do good things you know what I mean it's like that everywhere in every yeah, religion absolutely absolutely and yeah it's that's exactly it. I think that uh, when people don't understand things, they're more inclined to fear them. When they're more inclined to fear them, they're more inclined to malign them. And then that just becomes a self-feeding cycle of misunderstanding, fear, and causing more problems for everybody, really. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's my voodoo tales. I enjoyed them, thank you very much. <laughs> so I actually just wanted to talk about this little tidbit last time in Dutuba story, but uh, proper time didn't come about but just to talk about familiars um yeah witches familiars or practitioners familiars in the form of animals so like kind of kindred animal spirits that help you with your magic that sounds good yeah um and there it's it's cool because this morning you were or sorry i guess late at night you were saying uh it would be fun to look up um, animal spirits or uh, 
Um, and ghost pets. Ghost pets, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some interesting statistics because um, near the spiritualist movement, there was something like 20,000 people who uh, reported sightings about their ghost pets. Um, yeah, so you can take that for what it is. The spiritualist movement was kind of Blavatsky's time. So that's, um, it was like, uh, of course, now I'm having a brain blip. Um, <laughs> I think like 1880 to 1920. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, a little further on to it. Mm. Um, but you could think of it as people were just more open then and they didn't call themselves crazy if they saw something or a mixture of both, you know. But the amount of people went up like significantly. It went from, I don't know, like uh, the surrounding years were like 5,000 people or something to 25,000. Yeah, yeah. There was, uh, what do you call it, uh, the Victorian grotesque resurgence or revival. Oh, what was that? Uh, it, Again, roughly the same period, like starting about 1840 up into about late 1800s, uh, where people were just far more interested in, in the occult and the esoteric and a lot more just open to ideas about ghosts and spirits and, and mm. you know, table tapping and right, you know, right. seances and all that. Yes. Um, so, uh, I, I have a kind of hard time with familiars because like it's just really hard for me to conceptualize that like a cat will come to me and they will be this magical being but I read something that helped me digest it a little bit and it's kind of like animals that come into your life at a certain time when you might be flourishing magically and learning a lot those animals might be there for a reason at that time um, and, and that's, you know, it, there's nothing too crazy about that. That in itself is magical. Yeah. And animals carry magic themselves, like kind of how we discussed last time. So I it mean, makes it, sense. Yeah. I'm so cold, you guys. I, <laughs> this is crazy. I came and I was so hot and now I'm just freezing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we can have serendipitous encounters with humans, why not with other species? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here are some signs that an animal in your life might be a familiar. Um, so there's heightened activity during your magical practices. Um, High strangeness. Right, right. Um, the animal won't be very afraid of fire or water. So in a cat, that, that'd be kind of hard, you know? They're terrified of water usually. I've known one that was just all about it. She was wonderful. Hmm, interesting. Um, you sense, or sorry, their temp temperament is quite calm. They seem like they want to offer their services. So they're very like involved in you and your magic, uh, which also I'm just imagining cats, especially today. I don't know why I'm not really a cat person, but <laughs> to imagine them being quite altruistic is kind of hard. <laughs> they're very into their, themselves usually. <laughs> um, you might some ha have some telepathy with them. That makes sense. Um, they'll alert you to if uh, something's wrong with you physically, um, any health issues. And so I just wanted to credit this person real quick. This is just, I believe, from somebody's blog, Kim. It's a witch is familiar. Is your pet more than just a, uh, than just a companion? <laughs> Very 
Yeah. Um, besides that, I was looking up haunted Edmonton places. And a place that was brought up a few times was our high school, which I won't say the name, but... <laughs> As a freaking movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, somebody actually mentioned the space behind the weight room, which I'd never heard about. Um, but uh, I know you have a story about the hallway. We had this huge arts hallway, and yeah. your friend um, had an experience. I really like that story. I don't know if you'd want to share that real quick. Uh, well... Um, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> or maybe you can ask permission another time. Yeah, yeah I think I feel more okay about that. Perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, and in just a moment, I just real quick wanted to download a ghost app and just see if anybody here has something to say um, respectfully. Yeah, we're also uh, definitely willing to take suggestions because we're, we're looking into this whole like using a smartphone as a spirit box thing. It seems a little dubious, but why not give it a shot, right? Yeah, yeah. Shits and giggles, my friends. <laughs> so let's just keep it recording for a second. Yeah, yeah definitely. Let's we'll see how this goes. Alright, so we're going for a ghost box. XGBX Paranormal Spirit Box. Install. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> I've actually never, like, kind of refused to do this, even though I was really curious. I'll probably delete it right afterwards. <laughs> All right, opening it. Now do we click? Is it this time? Yes. 
very helpful if you refer to yourself as me. Do you have a name that I could use? Ben? Ben? Maybe not Ben again. try this one because it says I tried it I don't know if I believe it but I heard creepy pretty creepy things like footsteps so let's see that I can't imagine hearing footsteps so I'm going with this one there's a little baby woodpecker not baby but it's a very tiny woodpecker that's been pecking 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 through this show I don't know what to see I don't know what to do. Honestly, I kind of think that spirit boxes are sort of like an audio form of parapedalia. What's that again? Uh, the, the human instinct to see faces and everything. Oh, speaking of which, we forgot. Um, so, Bash was telling me the story about seeing a face in this... Um, in this graveyard, in a tree, Eddie? Yeah, in this one. Yeah, and then this other woman online, when talking about haunted places in Edmonton, she said, I walked by and I saw, <laughs> and I saw a face in the tree, which is just not, not what are the chances that yeah. people say that about a cemetery? <laughs> You're the one who bought the Mexican. <laughs> Quick shout out to El Mariachi. Great dinner last night. 124th Street, check him out. Fantastic Mexican food. <laughs> My um, battery is dropping like flies, which is interesting because it usually holds quite a bit. So freezing, number one, which is crazy because we've been out here since it was much colder. And uh, number two, my battery is dropping. I'm going to go for Bips BCN Spirit Box. Let's get bipping. All right. Bip, bippity bop. Bip, bip, boo, bye. There's music on this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you recording? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The whole All right. Time. So <laughs> I'm going to press the power button on this app. Hello, is anyone here to talk to us that is benevolent? Uh, 
But once you made that specification, I'm quiet. Yeah. <laughs> what about neutral? Do we have some neutrals that want to say something? I heard a hi. Are you really neutral? specifically to us and to our audience, that's a good time. messages before we say goodbye. decipher that later but it's it's been nice talking to you hello 
come and back to visit. That make you feel better? I heard a yes, please, I think. Well, lots of chatter now. I'm wondering if any of the spirits here sent that woodpecker that's been hanging around us. talking to us. Goodbye. Take care. Take care. I'm gonna leave you here, though. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's an experience I've never done, and I'm gonna promptly delete those from my phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night with anything uh, I do not welcome that <laughs> alright well this is this is going to be an interesting one to edit <laughs> damn sure <laughs> well this time I definitely will not forget to say uh where our socials are and we have a cool kit that we're putting together um, as a prize if you enter um, by giving us a positive review you just need to let us know and if you want rate and subscribe um, we're just trying to Isn't an honest review let's let's be frank okay <laughs> I, mean, I, I would <laughs> I would like a pretty positive review or else you know what's the point right um, say sandwich it if you need to right positive <laughs> negative positive uh, <laughs> we'd really appreciate that and uh, we'll put you in the draw to receive a magical kit um, what are our socials <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, on Twitter we're at un underscore godly podcast at uh, Instagram at un dot godly podcast uh, same thing on Facebook yes that's right uh, and we're also on SoundCloud uh, just soundcloud.com slash ungodly podcast I have a lot more work to do on that one so maybe just visit the other ones uh, or <laughs> also just check us out at uh, ungodlypodcast.transistor.fm thank you have a good time goodbye